0: He is risen! (laughs) What a great privilege today to be able to come and celebrate the resurrection in person today. I think probably all of us remember last year where we were on Easter morning, and it wasn't for most of us inside a church. But I'm thankful we're able to do that this morning. Amen. Give God a hand. (laughs) Praise the Lord today. Uh, Resurrection Day is a day that we celebrate the greatest victory, the greatest news in all of human history. In fact, in all of universal history. This is the day that the power of sin and death and hell were finally broken, finally defeated, and it pushed the reset button for everything in the universe. What? a great day. We celebrate that this morning. So if you have your Bibles, I'm going to invite you to open them now to Matthew chapter 28. We're going to get to the Scripture, but we're going to work our way up to it today. Well, It'll be a little bit later before we get to it, but you'll have it ready when the time comes. I don't know how many uh, NCAA basketball fans we've got this morning. Um, anybody watch the game last night? Anybody see the game? Gonzaga, defeated uh, UCLA in overtime with a shot from half court right at the buzzer to, to win and advance. They have not lost a game yet. As of today, they're still undefeated. They got one more game to play in order to complete the perfect season. Quite an accomplishment. I wonder have any of you all ever been a part of an undefeated team? Undefeated anything at, at any time, and I see a couple of hands out there. Congratulations to you all! That's awesome. Maybe it was a football team, maybe basketball, baseball. Might have been an FFA judging team or something like that. Closest I ever got was cheering for the 1972 Miami Dolphins that went 17 and 0. <laughs> they, they won the Super Bowl. You know who they beat that year? Yeah, they used to be called the Washington Redskins. <laughs> <laughs> um, it was a great, great season, and it's a good thing because Miami's had a lot of rough ones ever since. <laughs> so, anyway, by definition, in order to be undefeated, that means you got to win every game you play. Not a single loss is permitted, including the final finale, the final showdown, whether it's the Super Bowl, whether it's a World Series, whether it's the final game for the NCAA championship. You cannot lose any. Well, i got to tell you this morning, even if you've never played for an undefeated team, we have all the supreme privilege today to be a part of the greatest one ever. Jesus' resurrection was the culminating event of his purpose in coming to this earth. But it was not the only event In fact, when we say it was the culminating event, that means there were others, the other victories that led up to that. And so this morning we're going to take some time to look at some of those victories prior to his resurrection and cap it off with that one today. We uh, many times rush to celebrate the resurrection. We go to the empty tomb, but celebrating that without considering his previous victories is a little bit like jumping on the bandwagon for a team when they play the Super Bowl when you haven't been cheering for them all season. I mean, you can still do that, and that's okay, but you miss out on a whole lot. Well, today we don't want to miss out. The first victory I want to look at this morning that Jesus won occurred very early in his ministry. It's very early in Matthew's gospel. Matthew, as he writes his story about Jesus, presents him as the promised Jewish king. And as such, he highlights several of Jesus' triumphs leading up to the eventual greatest triumph of all. He talks about all the victories Jesus gained over foes that had defeated mankind ever since Eden. Right after Jesus' baptism, Jesus immediately runs headlong into the devil. He encounters temptation that probably most all of us would have seen as irresistible. Just use your divine power to satisfy your human appetites... By turning these stones into bread after your 40-day fast. Yeah. Then receive public worship by demonstrating your great miraculous power by jumping off the corner of the temple. Or, greatest of all perhaps, achieve worldwide domination without ever having to suffer. You don't have to go to the cross and experience all of that pain in truly spectacular fashion, Jesus defeated the devil in every single one of those early preseason games, gaining decisive victory over temptation by using the Holy Scriptures. Everybody say temptation. Temptation. One of the very first victories Jesus secured. But they weren't the last times that Jesus would be tempted. He would be tempted again. And they weren't the last battles that Jesus would face. At the end of Matthew chapter 4, Jesus demonstrates victory over something else. He demonstrates victory over sickness and suffering by healing, it says, all of those who were ill with various diseases, those with severe pain, those with seizures, paralytics, and many more. Everybody say healing. healing. You talk about major victories. How awesome is that? Amen? Throughout his three-year ministry, Jesus won victory after victory after victory, healing people that had leprosy, healing people that had blood-bleeding issues, people that were deaf, people that were blind, people that were lame. All the rest, it says, that were brought to him. Not one single scripture says that they ever stumped him. Not a single one. Every single time they brought somebody to Jesus, he healed them. Not once did they bring him one that he couldn't get the victory from. And so praise God this morning for Jesus' victory over suffering. Amen? Amen. Praise God for that. Another one of Jesus' victories occurred in connection with the physical healing. It's later on in Matthew chapter 9, but... We have an abbreviated story there of a man that is paralyzed. His friends bring him to Jesus by cutting a hole in the roof and letting him down in front of Jesus. When Jesus tells this man that his sins are forgiven, those players on the other team accuse Jesus of breaking the rules. They accuse him of blaspheming and doing something that only God can do. Uh, Yeah, that should have been a clue demonstrating his superiority over all aspects of the game. Verse number four says, Knowing their thoughts, Jesus said, Your sins are forgiven. I'm sorry. Knowing their thoughts, Jesus said, Why do you entertain evil thoughts in your hearts? Which is easier to say, Your sins are forgiven, or to say, Get up and walk. But, So that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. Then he said to the paralytic, get up, take your mat, and go home. And the man got up and went home. Amen? Victory! Boom! Verse number 8 finishes it up. It says, when the crowd saw this, they were filled with awe, and they praised God Who had given such authority, such victory to man. Everybody say forgiveness. Victory over sin. As well as victory over suffering. How can you argue with success like that? And the folks in the stands, the crowds, they were amazed at Jesus' ability to avoid a sack scamper into the end zone, and score double the points by being able to do both of these things. But notice, in particular, Jesus' authority over sin. We see him granting forgiveness in other places throughout his ministry as well. You see, God, his heavenly Father, had placed all things in his hands, including the authority to heal bodies, and restore souls by forgiving our sins. Backing up one chapter earlier in Matthew 8, there was a furious storm that blew up on the Sea of Galilee. Remember that? Jesus speaks to the wind and the waves, and they grow calm. Everybody say, weather Jesus demonstrated his victory, his authority over weather. Later on, he would literally walk on top of the water. He would curse a fig tree that would die overnight. And then he would ride a donkey that had never been ridden before. Not only does Jesus have spiritual authority in the areas of temptation and in forgiveness... Not only does he have physical authority to be able to heal people, he also has authority over creation. Everything in create. No other person had ever done any of those individual things before, much less all of them together. So Jesus continues to rack up victory after victory after victory. His win column is full. His loss column is empty. You would think that people would be drawn to a record like that. You would think they would be drawn to a champion and to share his success and and many people do. But others who have other loyalties are determined to defeat him, no matter the cost. But wait, as the my pillow guy says, there's more. In Matthew chapter 8, as well as several other places throughout the gospel, Jesus is seen casting out demons. Everybody say demons. People who were tormented. People who were bound by these spiritual agents of the devil himself. Finally set free when Jesus walked into their stadium. Some of those were so stubborn that even his own faithful team members, his disciples, could not drive them out. But not so with Jesus. With a word, he drove them out. He delivered those who had been in bondage for many, many years. Victory for Jesus Christ. In a crazy twist... The rules of the game, the law, the Old Testament law, which Jesus' father had given to their ancestors many years earlier, was now being improperly interpreted. Instead of blessing the people so that they could live holy and righteous and joy-filled lives, they were burdened with these minute additions that were added on to the nth degree. It began to affect every single area of life, even to the point of not being able to heal somebody on a Sabbath day. What? Are you kidding me? But that's what they said. Even to the point of letting their own team members get by with horrible penalties because of technicalities, while ruthlessly torturing those that were not on their team. Well, in decisive fashion... Jesus demonstrated his authority over the law and the prophets. He reclaimed control over God's word. He began to explain its true meaning in what we today call the Sermon on the Mount. He did it through various teachings afterwards throughout the Gospels. He was Lord of the Sabbath, which was made for us, by the way, not us for it. This was massive. This was an incredible victory. Indicating authority, if you will, even over the referees. (laughs) Victory for Jesus Christ. Intellectually, Jesus was also racking up the winds. With simple, down-to-earth parables, straightforward interpretations, his teaching was plain. It was very clear. It attracted crowds. Whether he was up on a mountain, down in a boat, or over yonder in the temple. Matthew chapter 7 says the crowds were amazed at his teachings because because he taught as one who had authority. Who had victory and not as their teachers of the law. Jesus used new strategies. He had developed new plays that were very clear and very effective. Scored touchdown after touchdown with the common people. I love a story that we find in Matthew chapter 9 that tells about a pick six by Jesus. If he were in a baseball game, you'd probably call it a grand slam. But he's on his way to the home of a girl that has died. And on the way to her home, a woman reaches out that has been bleeding for 12 years and touches just the hem of his garment. And boom, she's healed. But Jesus doesn't stop. He goes on to the home of that dead girl and raises her from the dead. Amen? Nobody would ever pulled that off before. But Jesus did Later on in his ministry, he would call Lazarus out of his tomb after he had been there, not just for a couple of hours, but for four days. Clearly, Jesus is in a league by himself. He is scoring victory after victory. He is undefeated. But raising Lazarus perhaps went a bit too far. I don't know what's going on there. Um, I don't think it's mine. I'm not hitting it or anything. But Anyway, um, raising Lazarus seemed to have gone a bit too far. It became widely known what he had done. It became spread around very quickly. As often happened in sports, whenever you have an undefeated record, your opponents mark you, don't they? You get a target on your back. Who can defeat the undefeated? can conquer the unconquered and so it was with jesus after raising lazarus jesus's opponents not only wanted to kill jesus they also wanted to kill lazarus to get rid of the evidence instead of yielding to the obviously superior champion they were determined to knock him off somehow the Jewish leaders were used to getting all the attention. They were used to receiving all of the applause from the stands, but they realized now their audience was switching loyalties as they begin to flock to Jesus Christ. Those in the stands begin to wear Jesus jerseys. They begin to sport his colors instead of theirs. After several decisive triumphs, we find them looking for some way to kill Jesus. Some way to end his title run. During the week of the final showdown... There we go. Woo! Woo! (laughs) Look out. (laughs) During the week of the final showdown, Super Bowl week, if you will, Jesus added even more victories to his win column. On his way to Jerusalem, he gave sight to two more blind people in Jerusalem on his way by. As we already mentioned, he demonstrated authority even over animals when he rode a donkey that had been unbroken. The next day, he demonstrated his authority in the temple complex by throwing out the merchants and all the money changers. He notched yet another win when his opponents tried to trap him with a question about taxes. Should we pay him or not? What did he say? Give to Caesar what is Caesar's. Give to God what is God. Boom, another victory. He continued to teach important lessons. He even demonstrated his knowledge of the distant future by making prophecies about his return, about the end of the world when the final trophies would one day all be handed out. But then, but then on Thursday evening, it looked as if the enemy was mounting a comeback. They drafted somebody right out of Jesus' starting lineup and they paid him to throw the game. And for 40 cheap pieces of silver, Judas did exactly that. Jesus was arrested right out of his prayer time that night. He was drugged before five illegal and false trials, only to be found innocent at every single one of them and yet condemned anyway. The tide was turning. The undefeated champion was finally on his heels, or so it seemed. The next morning, Friday morning, the official referee handed him over to be penalized. Not in an ordinary fashion, but to be beaten severely and repeatedly over and over again. To be whipped. And then to be crucified. And so by nine o'clock that morning, they nailed him to a wooden cross. By three o'clock that afternoon, it looked as if the unbeaten one had been soundly and roundly defeated as he took his last breath. The sky that he controlled turned black. The earth that he made shook as all of creation convulsed with the death of its creator. They put him in a borrowed tomb. They made it as secure as they knew how, and my friends, they knew how. Big rock in front of it, put a Roman seal on it that nobody dare break, and then post a couple of mighty Roman guards in front of it. They knew how. This defeat was going to be secured and documented for all the ages. There wasn't going to be any cheating. There's not going to be a pulling something out at the last minute. It looked as if the season had finally come to an end with Jesus' decisive defeat. <laughs> but now, but Sunday morning, if you are able, I invite you to stand as we read about what happened That day, Matthew 28, I'm going to begin in verse number one. After the Sabbath at dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to the tomb to look at the tomb. There was a violent earthquake for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning. His clothes were white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. The angel said to the women, do not be afraid for I know that you're looking for Jesus who was crucified. Past tense. He is not here. He has risen. And then they said, uh, risen just as he said, come and see the place where he lay. Past tense. Then go quickly and tell his disciples, he has risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Now I've told you. So the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid, yet filled with joy, and ran to tell his disciples. Suddenly, Jesus met them. Greetings, he said. They came to him, clasped his feet, and worshiped him. Then Jesus said to them, do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. You may be seated this morning. Everybody say, boom! (laughs) The greatest, the most decisive victory Jesus ever won. Snatched from the very jaws, no, even the stomach of death. Snatched from the tomb itself. The undefeated champion had one more victory to earn, and that one was over death itself. But in order to win that victory, he had to die first, which he did on Friday afternoon. But on Sunday morning, he came back just as he promised. He is risen. There's an Old Testament story about a strong man named Samson who had some other weaknesses. But one night, Samson was down in Philistine territory, involved in some things he shouldn't have been involved with. But at any rate, he's in this town in Philistia called Gaza. That's one of their cities. And they think, we got him, okay? We're going to trap him inside. And so they lock the gates of the city, and they're going to get him the next morning when he tries to leave. (laughs) He gets up at midnight. He breaks the gates of the city off their hinges and carries them to the top of yonder hill and looks back and basically says, na-na-na-na-na-na. Nan. <laughs> My friends, I want you to know today Jesus did something far greater. He did something far more eternal. When he got up out of his tomb, when he walked past the linemen, the guards, who were securing his tomb, and he charged into Hades, redeemed the souls of the dead at the price of his own blood, holding the gates of death, holding the gates of hell, and saying, na, 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 You talk about victory. Undefeated for sure. First Corinthians 15 says, The last enemy to be destroyed is death. And now he's done it. Later in that chapter, Paul writes, death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O grave, is your sting? The sting of death is sin. The power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Those of you that were with us on Friday night got some pieces of linen. If you had that and brought it this morning, I invite you to get it out this morning. We had left Jesus wrapped in that linen when we left laying in the stone-cold tomb. But John tells us that when he and Peter arrived at the tomb on Sunday morning, the linen was empty, folded up, lying by itself, If you have your linen with you this morning, I want to invite you to wave it as a victory banner right now, celebrating Jesus, the risen victor. Amen? Amen. Amen. Go, Jesus. Before we finish today, we got to do two other things. Number one, we need to consider what Jesus' undefeated record means for us. I mean, it's great for him, right? He's got an undefeated record. How cool is that? What does it mean for you and me? Well, it means there is nothing in your life. In fact, there is nothing in all creation that Jesus does not have authority over. That includes your own death. He may not always answer our prayers exactly as we would prefer. He may not always answer them exactly when we would prefer. But it's not because he can't. He can do anything. And so that means that in perfect wisdom, he has another plan. He has another purpose. He has another reason at work that may be hidden from us right now. But even when it seems that Satan has totally overwhelmed you, when it seems like you're totally defeated, Jesus is still able and will give you ultimate victory if you're on his team. Amen? Which brings us to our last point. Are you on his team? You see, because not everybody has signed up, believe it or not. Some people still resist him. There's only two teams. There's his and all of those who... Fight against him. That includes the devil. That includes the world. That includes our own selfish desires. That includes anything else other than Jesus Christ. But all of these, all of these others will eventually bow the knee to the undefeated champion. My friends, you can be on his team. It wasn't just for Jesus. In fact, he didn't need it. He did that. For you and me. The passage that we read a little bit ago says he gives us the victory through Jesus Christ. Amen? He gives it, but we have to receive it. We have to accept it. It's not automatic. We have to say, yes, Jesus, I want to be on your team. Sign me up. Unfortunately, many people live their whole life resisting that and turning away, thinking that there's better teams somewhere else, that there's better happiness somewhere else or or a better life some other way. Oh, my friends, there's not. (laughs) Nobody else has an undefeated record. Nobody else has the victory over death. There's a lot of other religions in this world. None of them have an undefeated champion. None of them have a risen savior. Only Christianity, only Jesus has gained that victory. And so, my friend, you can become his cheerleader today. You can become on his team. You can celebrate his resurrection, all of his other victories. You can look forward to his defeat of your own death, your own resurrection, because of the promises he's made to everybody willing to sign up for his team. And so, my dear friend, if you've never done that today, Do it this morning before we leave as we pray right now to the undefeated one. Let's pray this morning. God, we worship you today. We glorify you today. We celebrate the greatest victory of all when Jesus rose from the dead. Father, I praise you this morning that he has victory over sin, that he has victory over temptation, that he has victory over human suffering, that he has victory over sin and the the law that has been misapplied. I thank you, Lord, that there's nothing in our lives Jesus does not have authority over. God, we praise you this morning. We worship you. We glorify you in the name of the risen Savior. Father, we recognize today that not everybody's on his team and so as we continue to pray this morning if you're here and you've never never joined the team Jesus I encourage you to do that right now simple to do just agree that you've sinned no, you know you have we all have that's not a surprise say God I'm, I've sinned and I'm sorry that I've sinned I wish I hadn't but but I can't help it I'm sorry and I'm asking you to forgive me through Jesus Christ. I want the victory over sin. I want forgiveness. And God, I want want victory over the grave. And so I'm asking you to save my soul today in Jesus' name through His blood. Just, Just ask God that right now. He'll do that. He will give you His undefeated record. He will share with you resurrection power even as He rose from the dead. And if you're here today and you've wandered away, you strayed away. Maybe you've you've given your heart to Jesus years ago, but you strayed away from him. This morning, come back and say, God, I'm, I'm sorry I've been away. I want to I want to be true and faithful. I want to be a, a faithful team member, not one that only shows up in fair weather. I want to be dedicated and committed to you. God, we worship you. We praise you this morning for the undefeated champion. Lord, we love Jesus. We thank you so much. We love you through him. We invite you to continue to work in our hearts and lives. For we ask it all in the name of the one who defeated death, the undefeated champion of all. And everyone said,